was a kid, you know what my favorite passage in the Bible was, my favorite Bible story? So I, so I grew up in church, going to church, and I remember laying on my parents' bed with one of those little kids' Bibles with the pictures in it. You want to know what my favorite story was? I'll read it. This is actually like one of my favorite excerpts. Little boy, here it is. Judges 14. Samson went to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. That's it. (laughs) I remember the picture of Samson in the Bible. I thought, man, if that's what God does, I want to follow God. I want to be able to tear a lion apart like that. Like every little boy's dream, right? Yeah. Does that sort of thing happen to anybody else in here? Torn a lion apart with your bare hands? Spirit of the Lord came upon you? Yeah, not me either. I actually had a friend. This is true. I had a friend growing up whose grandma lifted a car. A grandma lifted a car up off a kid. She, like, came upon a wreck, like an accident scene. There was a car, like, and this kid stuck under it. And she, came, grandma came over and lifted it up. Amazing, right? Now, I don't know if that was the spirit of the Lord, if that was adrenaline, Pretty amazing. Grandma, right? She's the toughest grandma I've ever seen in my life. So why, why do we not experience this sort of power from the spirit of the Lord? Like, why don't we hear about that stuff happening today? Like, what does the spirit of the Lord do today? And where is he, you know? Is he here? Is he with us? Where? And, and, is he with me specifically? Like, is he part of my life? Is he inside of me? Is he around me? Is he surrounding me? Like, what does that look like for us today? Well, tonight I want to kind of continue to dig into this series, this organic faith series that we've been doing for about a month now. And in this series, we've been talking about our faith. We've been talking about what we believe. We've been talking about our theology. And we've said, this is, this is what we believe. Uh, this is why we believe it. And this is the difference that it makes in my life today. We've kind of been digging into that. And we said, we want a theology. We want, a, we want beliefs that are pure, that are uncontaminated, right? That are natural, that are what God wants us to believe. And so we, the first week, we kind of dug into this. We dug into the Bible. And we said, it's really important. Like, if we get this wrong, if we believe the wrong things about this, it affects the rest of our theology, right? And so we dug into that. The next week, we talked about God. We talked about the triune nature of God. In some way, God is three persons and yet one God. He's a trinity, right? A triunity. And we kind of dug into that, and we looked a little bit about the character of God. Like, who is this incredible triune God? And then last week, we looked at God the Son, and we said, who is God the Son? And we looked at the eternal nature of God, right? We said somehow in some way he's one of the persons of the Godhead and he's fully God and yet he took on flesh, he became human and he became fully man. We talked about that. We wrestled with that a little bit. And we talked about why he did that. Why did Jesus, why did God the Son take on flesh in Jesus? And we said, well, ultimately, to show us how to live, right? He became human to show us how to live as humans. We're all humans living in this world But ultimately, he came to die for us. Why would he do that? Because God loved us that much. God loved us so much that he sent God the Son to die for us. And so we dug into that last week. And then tonight, I want to dig into God the Holy Spirit. 
You know, it's interesting that as we think about God existing, eternally existing as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each one completely, fully, totally God, the Holy Spirit, probably for most of us, the Holy Spirit is the one that we probably understand the least, right? Is probably the most mysterious to us and probably the one who's most overlooked in our lives. And yet, it's through the person of the Holy Spirit that we can have the most intimate, personal experience with God. Isn't that interesting? Like, he's the one that we probably understand the least, and we probably neglect the most, and yet it's through him that we can have the most intimate, personal experience with God. And so I want to talk about this tonight and hopefully maybe clear up some misunderstandings that we have and get us excited about connecting with God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I want to warn you tonight, like I'm going to jump around a bunch. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to flip around to lots of different places in the Bible. I'm going to throw it up all up on the screen so you can follow along that way, but we're going to be going all over the place. Okay. So fair warning ahead of time. Got it. All right. So let's jump into it. You know what? You know, what's like one of the coolest, most comforting thoughts in the world to me? It's actually can, can be summed up in one of the Psalms in the Bible, Psalm 139. I'll read you a few verses of this. It's a Psalm written by the most famous king in all of Israel, David, literally hundreds, even thousands of years ago. This is what he wrote. Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I rise up to the, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Now, think about that. Isn't that that an incredible thought? Like, there is no place that we could go on this earth that God is not there. Like there is no place that we could go where we're alone, where we're isolated from him. And you know what's even more amazing? This blows me away. The Bible doesn't just say that God, the Holy Spirit, is around us, like he's just everywhere. The Bible doesn't just stop there. But the Bible actually says that God, the Holy Spirit, is in us. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church in Corinth, the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he's writing to him, and this is what he says. So interesting. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? He said, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Did you catch that? He said, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is what? In you, Right? The Holy Spirit living inside of you and me. Take a second maybe to write this down. On the back of your program, you got a little blank space there. I think it helps to remember it, to write it down. Here it is. Ready? The Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, indwells us. The Bible talks about this uh, a lot of different times. It talks about being baptized in the Spirit. There's all kinds of spirit terms, especially in the New Testament. One of them is being baptized in the Spirit. We're baptized in the Spirit when we make a decision to follow Jesus. So Jen, when she made a decision to follow Jesus, she became baptized in the Spirit long before we baptized her in water. And one of the implications of being baptized in the Spirit is that God's Spirit dwells inside of us. Hey, think about that. That is one of the most 
that, that just the most comforting, secure, most amazing thoughts ever. If you love Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, lives inside of you for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. You're never alone. You ever feel alone? I do. We're never alone. His Holy Spirit literally is with us, in us, in the most intimate way possible. Jesus actually talks about this too, right before he's, he's hung on the cross, right before they kill him, he's meeting with his disciples in John 14. And this is what he tells them. He says, he says, if you love me, keep my commands and I'll ask the father and he'll give you another advocate. Another word there is counselor. He'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. That's another, it's another name for the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. You know him. Why? For he lives in you. He lives with you and will be in you, right? And then he goes on in uh, verse 23, he says, anyone who loves me, obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to them and make our home with them. I just think about that imagery. God making his home with you. God making his home inside of you. I just try to wrap your mind around that. Like think about some of the implications of that. The, the very, the eternal, fully, completely, totally God, the Holy Spirit. When you and I make a decision to follow Jesus, that spirit lives inside of us. You know, you know what that spirit did? It's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, living inside of you and living inside of me. Just begin to wrap your mind around that, the implications that come with that. But listen, it just keeps, it just keeps getting better. He doesn't just live inside of you. He actually does stuff while he's inside of you, right? He's not like, like a deadbeat roommate that's just kind of there along for the ride, just hanging out inside of you. He's actually doing things inside of you. Let me give you a few powerful things. I just want you to consider these of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. First one could be summed up in uh, this verse in 2 Corinthians. It's at the very beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what it says. He says, Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. What's he saying? It says this in other places in the Bible too. It's saying that when we choose to love Jesus, God sends us his spirit to indwell us, right? But also to seal us. It's kind of our our second point. The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit seals us. You know what that is? You know what that means? It's like, uh, uh, and I've never done this personally, but if you got cattle, you ever seen cattle be branded? You ever seen that? No? They take a hot branding iron, they get it really, really hot, and then they stick it on the cattle's butt. I think it goes on his butt, right? And then you pull it off, and it leaves this permanent mark on there. It doesn't come off, and it'll say something like, property of such and such. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is like God's seal of ownership on you. It's like sealing this this branding on you, saying that you are are the property of Jesus. It's amazing. And, and he talks about it being a deposit, a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. The Holy Spirit is kind of like a down payment. 
It's like a down payment in our life, which guarantees future payment. What's the future payment? That we're going to have an inheritance, that we're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. We're sealed property of Jesus Christ, right? And we have this deposit, this inheritance that we are guaranteed to get one day. So, so, so what? Like, why is this such good news for us? Well, because when we love Jesus, when we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, our fate is sealed forever. Now think about that. Like, think about the implications of that. Think about how that makes you feel. Like, let's be honest around here. We're not perfect, right? So after I made the decision to follow Jesus, it's not like my life becomes completely perfect and I never struggle with sin anymore, right? Like we just do. We still struggle with sin. How do you feel when you struggle with sin? Like how, do, how does that make you feel in terms of God? I tell you what, sometimes in my weaker times and the times uh, that, that maybe I'm struggling a little bit more, especially with sin, I start thinking, man, I've gone back to God over and over and over again, and I keep saying, I'm sorry for this. I keep confessing this. I wonder if he's going to reject me one day. Like, I wonder how frustrated he is with me. I wonder if he's going to withhold something from me, if he's going to take his spirit away from me. Guys, listen, when we make a decision to love Jesus, we are sealed. We are branded in him, marked as property of him. And it will never be taken away from us. That's incredible news. Jesus himself said it this way. In John uh, 10, 28, he said it this way. When, you're, when I got you in my hand, when, I'm your, when you're mine, when you made a decision to love me and follow me, no one's ever going to snatch you out of my hand. You can't get in. You can't be snatched out of my hand. That's such good news. Like, doesn't that make you feel safe and secure? In, in that 2 Corinthians passage, it says, it makes us stand firm in Christ. When you think about that, like, doesn't that make you feel free? Like, ah, I don't have to try to impress God. I don't, I don't have to try to do things to stay on God's good side. When you choose to love and follow Jesus, God seals you as his. He brands you as property of Jesus Christ, and you are safe and secure forever. And you're guaranteed this inheritance. You know what the inheritance is. It's salvation. It's it's paradise. It's eternity in paradise with our great God who loves you, who is absolutely committed to you. Man, that's good news. So, so the Spirit, what does the Spirit do? Well, he indwells us, right? He seals us, but he doesn't stop there. You know what else he does? He empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Guys, listen, he is available to you and to me right now to strengthen us to give us courage. You walking through any hard things in your life? It doesn't have to be brain surgery, right? Like we all have hard things that we walk through. The Holy Spirit is there to give you strength, to give you power. I read uh, this week about this missionary guy. His name's Herb Jackson. And he was talking about how uh, the very first missionary experience he went on when he was a brand new missionary, he went over somewhere. I don't even know where he went, but he went over somewhere. He's kind of getting acclimated to everything. And this missions agency had the use of a car for him, which is, you know, kind of rare. So he had the use of a car, but they said, but there's one thing with this car. It doesn't start on its own. It, you got to get a little push. If you get some people to push you and then start the car, it starts and then it runs fine. 
right? And so he's a young missionary. He's a young guy. He's creative, you know? He's like, he devises this plan where uh, he would park the car. I think, I think he parked the car next to a school. So in the morning, he'd have like the school kids come out and give him a little push to get going today. And then he'd always park the car on a hill or he'd leave it running or whatever. And he did this for two years. The guy did this for two years, okay? And then after two years, he uh, was kind of, he got transferred or something. He got moved on to another place. And there was another missionary that came in. And so he's kind of training him a little bit. He's telling him, you know, what, what it's like and what he's got to do. And he says, oh, and by the way, you got use of a car. But here's the thing. Here's kind of the bad thing is the car doesn't start on its own. You know, you have to get, you get somebody to push you. And, and, you know, he's telling him about, you know, the parking next to the school and parking on a hill and leaving it going. And as he's talking, this other guy, the new missionary coming in, he's listening. But he quietly goes and he, and he pops the, tr- the hood, rather, and he looks in there. And he starts just kind of looking around as he's listening to Herb, tell him what's going on. Then he stops and he goes, listen, I think it's just a loose cable here. And so so he goes in, he goes, you get like a wrench or something? So he gets a wrench and he tightens it down and he says, now just try it. And he turns it on and the engine roars to life. And the guy's like, seriously? I did this for two years? It's a loose cable? So he goes, listen, this is what we do so often with God the Holy Spirit. We have this incredible power available to us under our hood, right? Available to us, and we neglect it. Or we think it's not working, right? Or, or it's absent, or it's not there. You know what Acts 1.8 says? It says, you will receive so Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples, and he's talking to us. He says, you'll receive power, When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you. Guys, we have power. If we would just take time to tap into it, to tap into him, imagine how much richer our life would be. Imagine how much better our life would be. See, God didn't design us to function on our own. That's That's not how he made us. He didn't make us to just kind of knuckle down and gut it out and try to live our life on our own. He made us to have the counselor, the advocate living inside of us, like we just read in John 14. The power that he offers us in this life is enormous if we would just ask him for it and if we would just seek it. One of my favorite old theologians, he's passed away now, this guy named A.W. Tozer, he said this. He wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and he said this in it. He says, seek the power. Seek the power. He goes on, he says, we must also earnestly, sacrificially, and prayerfully strive to be empowered with the same power that came upon the apostles, that came upon them. Sometimes we look at them and we go, man, look at what all that God did back then. You read through the book of Acts, and you're like, man, he did amazing things. I guess that was just for that time, and I got, you know, I got to just, I got the deadbeat roommate with me now, right? No, guys, this is the same power. If you and I would seek this power, let me ask you, let me ask you, do you have stuff in your life that's hard that you're going through that you need strength for, that you need the very power of God to get through? Are you seeking his power? Like, just, just be honest, like, don't give me just the, gut, the, the knee-jerk reaction, the knee-jerk response. Think about it. Like, are you, are you really seeking his power? Are you asking him for help? And then are you giving him the freedom to display his power in your life? Think about that. 
You know, I've been in church ministry for, uh, I was thinking about this this week, almost 14 years now. Seems like a long time. I don't feel like I'm that old. I guess I am. I went bald when I was like 18, so, you know, I'm younger than I look. Anyway, I've been in ministry for like 14 years. And, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people over the years that get frustrated with themselves and then eventually frustrated with God because they have these sins in their lives that they can't get rid of, you know? It's like habitual sins. And it's just like I struggle and I struggle and I struggle with this over and over and over again. And usually what happens is they keep them secret. Church, we're really good at that with church, aren't we? The bad things about us, we keep it secret. We don't let anybody know about it. We put on our nice little church face. They keep these things secret, and slowly but surely, they just eat away at them. They eat away at them, right? And they hate it. Like, they have this stuff, this gunk in their life, and they hate it. It disgusts them. But you know what's so weird? They still do it. Like they, they still do it. In fact, they feel like they have no choice in it. It's just like something happens, and, and they can't stop themselves. And so it looks a variety of ways. The sin changes, right? For some of them, maybe it's pornography, lust. That's something that a lot of people struggle with, right? For others of them, it was pride, arrogance. You know, like, I just, I just, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good. For other people, maybe it's gossip. You know, it's like I hear this, this, this information. I feel like I got to share it. Like, I don't have a choice. I got to share it. Maybe it's temper, you know, like, I, I don't know me. I try to stop myself. It's like my blood boils and I just can't stop. And then they get frustrated with themselves. And it's not too long before they get frustrated with God. I say, God, why won't you take this away from me? I don't want to do this anymore. Why, why won't you just take it away? Take the desire away. Why won't you deliver me from this? Any of this sound familiar? Yeah. Well, here's the really good news. Ready? Here's the really good news. The Holy Spirit purifies us. The Holy Spirit. It's one of the things he does. He's not a deadbeat roommate, right? He purifies us. He transforms us. He does. That's him who's doing that. That's part of his job description in our lives. That's him displaying his power. And you might sit back and think, well, that's, that's awesome. That sounds great. But if that's what he does, then why are so many of us, why do so many of us continue to struggle with sin? Is he not doing his job? Is he not doing what he's supposed to do? Worst roommate ever, right? That's a good question. it's, It's a good, honest question. If that's what the Holy Spirit does, if that's part of his responsibility in our lives to purify us, why do so many people, so many Christians, still struggle with habitual sin in their life? Well, can I tell you just like two things from my own life? As, as I've, uh, one thing I'd say that I think I've done a good job of working through, and another thing that um, I'm still working through, can I just be honest with you guys? Like, why do people still struggle? Why do Christians still struggle with sin? Here's, here's the first reason. I've seen this true in my own life. Deep down, I don't want him to change me. Deep down, like, when I'm, when I'm honest, in my deep, quiet honesty of my heart, I actually enjoy the sin. I actually enjoy it. A little too much to get rid of it. A little, a little too much to let it go. I'm not done with it yet. I say I am, but I'm not. I hate it, but I also kind of really enjoy it, and I love it. 
Guys, can I tell you from firsthand experience, until I truly commit to love God more than anything else and put his ways and his desires front and center in my life, I will never be able to get past my sin. I'll struggle with it the rest of my life. Until I step back and go, God, you're you're more important than anything else. And I give it to you. I turn it over to you. See, our selfishness can be subtle and, and deceptive, but also incredibly powerful, right? Our selfishness can be incredibly powerful when we're honest about it. And so I ask you, is God and his ways, like, are they most important to you? Are they, are they the most important thing about you? And do you see your sin the way that he sees your sin? He loves you, but he hates your sin and my sin. And do you really want him to change you? Like deep down, like be honest with yourself. Do you really want him to change you? Or are you kind of content with a little bit? A little bit of sin is not that bad. Can I give you a second reason why we continue to struggle with habitual sin in our lives? I try to do it on my own. I I try to do it on my own. I try to do it in my own strength. I make a commitment I'm not against commitments. I set up accountability. I'm not against accountability. I, I, I have these parameters in my life to try to avoid things that are triggers for me to engage in this sin. I'm not against that. And I work really, really hard to stop, 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 stop. But all along the way, I never invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of it. I just try to do it on my own. I try to do it in my own strength. And then when I pray, I start feeling so guilty. Like maybe I still pray about it, but I still feel so guilty before him, like God is so disappointed in me. Listen, let me read you a passage, and I want to talk about it, and then we're almost done. It's in Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul writing again. This is what he says. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, and he says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Another translation, which I like a little bit better, uses the words awe and trembling. Awe, I'm sorry, awe and reverence, excuse me. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling or awe and reverence, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we're to work out our salvation in our lives. How do we do that? With awe and reverence, fear and trembling, for God, because he's the one who's working on us to bring about the change. Guys, this is, this is so important. Listen, my part, my responsibility in this equation isn't to try to work really hard and put all kinds of pressure on myself to make myself perfect. That's not my part. That's not my part. My part in this equation is to open up every corner of my life and give God access. Even those dark corners, it's to, it's to take the key and unlock every door and let him inside and allow him to change me, to transform me. You know what it's called? It's called sanctification. That's the theological term. It's called sanctification. Sanctification is you and I being made holier. It's you and I being purified. This is something that only God, the Holy Spirit, does inside of us. 
The one uh, theologian that I really like, Wayne Grudem, I've quoted him a few times in this series, he says it this way. He says, it's specifically God, the Holy Spirit, who works within us to change us and sanctify us, giving us greater holiness in this life. It's all throughout the New Testament. It's talking about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Guys, listen, our answer to sin in our life, the answer is not try harder. Try harder. You keep struggling with it. Work harder. You're not really committed. That's not the answer. The answer to the sin problem in our life is to go, God, I give you total access. I give you total access. And I love you more than anything else. You are front and center in my life. It's not try, 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 try. It's love Jesus more and let him into everything. That's the answer. And if we get that wrong, guys, it looks, our, our Christianity, our faith gets ugly. It gets, and, and we start thinking that it's all about us. And, and when we start doing things right, when we start doing things well, we go, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. And we start looking down our nose at other people, right? And when we do things wrong, when we mess up, when we make mistakes, we don't want to talk to God because we're so ashamed. We're so ashamed. Guys, he's the one who changes us. He's the one who transforms us. So important. So so what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit purifies us. We didn't even have time to talk about the Holy Spirit revealing things to us. He illumines us. He teaches us. He gives us perspective, right? He guides us. We don't have time to talk about how the Holy Spirit unifies us. The same Spirit is in everybody who's a follower of Jesus. It's the same Spirit. We have this incredible unity, right? talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12. We don't have time to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that the Spirit kind of brings to life in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all that stuff, right? Read about in Galatians chapter 5. It grows this fruit in our lives. We don't have time to talk about the gifts that the Spirit gives us, the spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives us. In fact, the Give It Away class next service, next week, they dig into that. They talk about the spiritual gifts that the Spirit puts into our lives. We don't have time to talk about how the Spirit fills us over and over and over again to help, our, help us live our lives in God's strength, Right? So what do we do with this? Like, let's, let's, let's go to our so what question. So what do we do with this? Here, here's what I'd encourage you. Three things tonight. Three things this week. First thing, think about him. <laughs> it's so simple. Think about the Holy Spirit in your life. Think about this incredible truth that you are, that same guy, A.W. Tozer, that I quoted earlier, he, he said it this way. He said, when you're a follower of Jesus, you are possessed by the Holy Spirit. When we think of possession, we think of like bad possession, right? Like demonic possession. He's saying when you're a Christian, you are possessed. You have the very spirit of God living inside of you. Guys, this week, spend, just chew on that a little bit. Like think about that. Like let your mind dream a little bit. If I got the spirit of God living inside of me, what difference does that make in my life? What is the potential? Second thing, talk to him. You got a roommate, right? Talk to him. It's not wrong to pray to God the Holy Spirit. He's still God, right? Completely, totally, 
fully God. You have the potential to experience the fullness of the Godhead right here inside of you, wherever you go, right? Talk to him. Don't neglect him. Enjoy him. He is an incredible God, and he loves you. That's the second thing. Third thing, if you're ready, offer your life to him. Like, give him freedom in your life. Unlock all those doors. Let him shine his light on those dark corners of your life. And that can be scary, right? But what he'll do is he'll take everything that you give him, and he'll purify it, and he'll transform it. But listen, he won't take it by force. That's not how he works. He doesn't kick down the doors in our lives. He's gentle with us. He doesn't go into places that we don't allow him into. Allow him in. Allow him to transform you. And guys, if we do this, here's what he'll do. He'll fill us. He'll transform us. He'll empower us. And he'll use us in ways that we could never imagine. The question is, do you want that? Because it can be scary. Because what it means is that you and I are no longer in the driver's seat. Right? It's a, big, it's a big step. When we turn our lives over and we say, every open door, God, it's all yours. Transform me, change me. What that means is he's in control now. He's the one driving. He's the one leading where we're going. And that can be scary. But I'll tell you this. I promise you that you will find no greater joy, no greater peace, no greater satisfaction in life than when you're giving him the wheel when you're following him where he wants to take you. It might be hard, might be challenging, but you will have no greater joy than when you allow him to do that. And that's my prayer for each of us. Spend time with him this weekend. You won't regret.